Let's allow God to continue to speak and work through our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment because I believe, God, it's in this moment that if we give it to you, God, and and focus on you, God, you're going to bring down some good stuff from your heavenly throne. Lord, I pray that as we get into your word, God, that you allow your word to fall on good soil here, that we would all hear and receive it with joyful hearts. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Well, I see a lot of new faces. Welcome to Grace Church. I'm glad you're with us today. And uh, those of you who call Grace Church home, man, I just want to say thank you for being here. Your presence matters. Your presence matters. I think I'm better because you're here. And so thank you for for being here. And uh, this last month, we have taken a series where we're talking about spiritual gifts. Everybody say spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. I don't know what you think of when you hear that. Some of you guys were like, uh-oh, what am I in for? Especially those of you that this is your first time here, you're just like, okay, I either picked a really good Sunday to be here or I don't know, right? So, but I, I promise that I'm going to bring out the word of God, hopefully give you some new insight that maybe you've not heard of through what God has given me. I really believe that God has something for everyone, amen? So this series is called Naturally Supernatural. And to be honest, as I was preparing this series and as I've been getting into this series, it's been quite challenging because of the subject matter. Why? Because I think that sometimes when we hear these words of of spiritual gifts or the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or when we list the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings, for some of us, there's some baggage behind it. For some of us, we have some some, uh, experiences in the past that, that, that have kind of scarred us a little bit in regards to this subject. You know, this is the way I kind of describe it. I, I think back when my kids, I have three kids. Uh, they're, all, they're all older now, but, but when they were young, when they were infants, I remember taking them in to get their vaccination. Some of you parents know what that day is like, right? When you're preparing your child to go in and they're all excited. You know, it's kind of deceiving when they go into the doctor's office because there's all these cool toys and it's all bright. And so they're excited. They're like, oh, mom, dad, you're taking me somewhere fun, somewhere nice. And then they get into the room, right? And they plop them right on the table and they're smiling. They see mom and dad in front of them. Mom and dad knows what's coming. They don't. So they have this big smile on their face and all of a sudden the doctor comes out and he puts the needle in and, 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 and you just see that smile turn into a grimace, right? I see that same look on some of you guys <laughs> when we've been talking about this where you come and you're like, yeah, we're in church, it's good. And then all of a sudden you kind of go, oh, and you're trying to brace yourself, but I promise that, that, that the word of God is going to bring freedom to that this morning. But I do know that there are some of us that do feel a bit uncomfortable, and that's okay. You're safe here to, to, to be able to, to listen and, uh, and to receive and maybe even wrestle with some of these thoughts that the word of God brings. I think the word of God is, 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 is okay for us to kind of wrestle through. You know, some of us have stepped into churches and, and, and we're part of communities that things got a little weird a little too much for us. And, and, and maybe some of you are like, man, I really like this church. What's gonna happen now? I wanna tell you, man, all the weirdness already happened, right? So if you don't think we're weird and you're not gonna think we're weird in the future, right? That's all out of the way and you're still here. You're fine. Or you had an experience like me. When I was growing up, I was part of a church community for a few years where I felt like these gifts that we're about to talk about and unpack, that, that they were kind of raised above the word of God. There was an imbalance there. And I want to tell you this, that, that the spirit and the word work together. They work in tandem in the work of the ministry of the church. And so, so whenever you see an off balance, that's why it feels funny to you, because they always work together. And that's what I hope to bring out. That's what I hope that this, this does for us, that it increases our faith, 
and allows us to be all that God's called us to be. You know, when I read the book of Acts, when I go through the book of Acts, it's a really exciting book, isn't it? When you read about the early church, and I want you to know that when I read the book of Acts, I don't read it as just a historical accounts of what God did in the past. No, I look at it as a model of how God wants to function here and now. The same church and same group of believers, the same spirit that was upon them and the things that they did and they were on mission, that's what God wants to see today through the church. And so I look at it as a model. How does the Holy Spirit lead the church and what does it look like and, and what does he do and how does he function within the body of believers? Now, we see that it's so important that they were on mission, but they were also given this empowerment through the Spirit and he gave us gifts to operate in for that mission. Now, there are multiple places in the Word of God where you can really dive in and, and unpack all these gifts, and there's, there's so much more into this topic, and I mentioned to you that we want to do a class that really allow you to have some Q&A and, and really dive deeper, and I think that's so important for your growth. But, but I decided to, to just park in this particular passage of Scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, go to verse, the book of 1 Corinthians, and I've been, I've been unpacking chapter 12. And the reason why is because this is one of the longest lists of all these gifts in the Bible. But more importantly, I love that Paul is teaching on how these gifts ought to operate among the congregation. As we come together in settings like this, he says that there's got to be a way that these gifts are displayed and function and manifested. So he gives us some clear instructions. And that's why I wanted to park in this passage now, I've been, I've been taking these, the, the, this whole chapter, and we've been breaking it down, and I'll probably be going into chapter 14 a lot today. That's probably where I'm going to camp out, just to let you know, um, because of the gifts that we're going to be talking about this morning. But I want to begin with the foundation of what he's saying here, and it's in chapter 12, verse 6. He says, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same work of God. It's the same God at work. So as distinct as these gifts are, and he talks about us being a body where we all have different functions and different gift sets, but together as a whole, it's for the, the health of the body, health of us all. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That it's meant to build each other up. It's meant to help one another, to serve one another. And then Paul goes into uh, uh, talking about all these different gifts. So there's nine gifts on his list. And he says that there's a gift, spiritual gift of word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, the whole point of this series for me was that I wanted to demystify these gifts. I think that these gifts are meant to be common among us. And it's the way we ought to function. And I, I think that as you learn how to define them and how, how to understand them better, you'll start to see them more because I think that they happen more often than you think. And as you understand how these gifts work and how God's given us these gifts and what do they look like in people's lives, then you'll start to recognize, go, oh yeah, that's the word of wisdom. That's the word of knowledge. Oh, God's given them the prophetic word in this. Do you know that some of that already happened here as we were praying over this child? That's how it's supposed to be. It's, it's, it's supposed to be common among us. And so what I did to help us understand these gifts better is that I broke down these nine and I put them in the three categories. Anybody remember, anybody taking notes? It's okay, don't raise your hand, okay? You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> you should take notes. But I broke them down in three, uh, three categories. There's the revelation gifts. These are gifts that reveal something. This is word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits, and I talked about this in week one. And then there are the power gifts. These are gifts that do something. Faith, healing, miracles, 
And in today's topic is speaking gifts. These are gifts that say something. This is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now somebody got really nervous here. Let's start with the first one. What's the first one? Spiritual gift of prophecy. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word prophecy. Probably puts a lot of ideas in your mind. You know, for many of us, we don't really hear that word prophecy a lot outside the church, right? We hear a lot in the church. We only see it outside the church when people are talking about doomsday prophecies, right? Some doomsday scenario. And it usually has to do with predicting the future or fortune telling. And let me tell you that the real essence of this spiritual gift has nothing to do with all that. I mean, there's a future element to it, but it's not fortune telling and it's it's not just predicting things. See, prophecy is supernatural, but it's not as mystical as you think. It's important for us to understand this gift. And in fact, Paul feels the same way. That's why he begins this chapter, verse, or chapter 14, with this. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire these spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. He's talking about these spiritual gifts. He wants to get the church to focus in on what's important. And he says, but especially prophecy. And in verse four, he goes on. He says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless everyone, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, I gotta make this very clear that he's not creating this list of rankings of what's, what's best. He, he, he's not trying to make this hierarchy of gifts. See, the context of chapter 14 is he's trying to get us to understand is that when we all come together, all these gifts are supposed to be active and they're all important for the body of Christ. They're all important for us to have and to experience and to benefit from. But he says this, he says, now for some seasons and some moments in our lives, the most important gift that we could receive is probably, if we're sick, is the gift of healing. If we're going through some stuff in our lives where we need direction and guidance, then maybe for you, the most important gift you could receive is the, is the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. So those, those, those are real, those, are, those should be common, but he says, this is the thing, is that when those things happen and people receive those gifts, they're blessed and we celebrate. But he says that when the word of prophecy is spoken, then we all benefit. We are all blessed. That's why he's saying that that's why it's important for the church. So what is this gift of prophecy? How do we define it? Well, the gift of prophecy is manifested when a believer speaks, listen to this, the mind of God by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is not from their own thoughts. Let me unpack that for a moment for us. Prophecy is when you sense God revealing something to you, something to share with someone or a group of people. But it's not something that you've been thinking about. It's not something that you've been trying to figure out. It's something that God reveals to you in that moment, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And for some of us, it might come in a picture form. It might come with a picture in mind. And, and, and you start to understand what that picture means a bit. And you share. We, we call that in church world well, a vision. God will give you a vision about this, and you want to share that. Now, if you've ever experienced this, then I want to share with you that if you want to share with a group, it's very important that you don't just come at people and say, hey, thus saith the Lord. What you have to do is you got to come and you say, and humbly go before that person and say, hey, God is, I think God's speaking to me about this. I'm sensing God show me this. And then you bring it to them and you allow them to weigh it on their hearts. See, prophecy, even though it's from the spirit of God, it still comes through a human. And we might not like to admit this, but sometimes we're wrong. (laughs) 
We might not always be 100% right. See, Paul tells us earlier in the, first, in, the, in the previous chapter that sometimes it's like we look at a mirror that's half dim, that we don't always have it all figured out yet. We're still learning, we're still growing, we're still maturing. God, there'll be one day when we stand before God and we see things as they are, but until then, we're still kind of trying to figure it out a bit. God gives us bits and pieces, so we have to be humble about it. We have to understand that. Prophecy is supernatural speech in a known language publicly brought to a group of believers or a person. You know, what's amazing is that you may not know this, but this is pretty common here that there's a lot of you who have this gift and you know it, you recognize it, and God's been using this gift. And, and many of you will come to me and, and you'll have a word, you'll write it down, and, and you'll come to me and say, hey, pastor, like, God gave me this, I'm sensing this, and, and so they give it to me and they allow me as the pastor and the spiritual authority of this house to discern whether this word is for them, for me, or for the church. And there's times where we, you know, I don't make a big show of it. I don't sit up here and, 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 and try to roll my eyes back and, 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 and do all this cartwheels for you to say, hey, this is from the Lord, everybody listen up. No, but I give it out, I share it, or they share it, and you know, you receive it. Truth bears witness to truth, and so you understand and you receive what is spoken. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Paul says, he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. In other words, he's saying, it's kind of like you gotta eat it like you eat fish, right? Eat the meat and spit out the bones. You know, you take what you feel is applied to you and spoken to you, and then the rest of it, you just kind of let it go. It's as simple as that. Sometimes we complicate things too much. But how many times has somebody came to you with the word at the right time, in the right moment? Something that you desperately needed and God knew and you didn't tell anybody and yet they came to you and they shared with you or they start praying with you and all of a sudden the revelation comes, a prophetic word is given and all of a sudden you sense that God is in this place. That's the difference. Now when we hear prophecy, we think automatically of prophets, don't we? And we know prophets from the Old Testament and I wanna share something with that. There's a difference between the prophetic in the Old Testament and the prophetic in the New Testament. See, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon certain people for a specific time. It was temporary, and he, he would come upon people, and they would have prophetic words to give. God would usually select a few people, a few people chosen, and they were known as prophets. They were the mouthpiece of God, and God would give them the message to a certain person or a group of people. Usually, this word was given as a warning or judgment or correction or guidance, but more importantly, this word was given through them to God's people for this, to talk about this messianic kingdom that was to come. But in the New Testament, we see this, God, this gift operated a little bit different. It wasn't so much used for judgment and condemnation, but it was meant and used to draw people closer to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus came. He, he took our iniquities. He took our sin. He took our guilt upon himself. Judgment was on him, and that's how we could receive this eternal life. So, what does that look like? Well, that's why when somebody speaks prophetically, it shouldn't have the tone of wrath or judgment. Maybe you've heard that before, where somebody stands up and they're pointing their finger and they're, they're talking about that. See, there's a difference between judgment and condemnation and correction. God will give us correction because correction leads to conviction and conviction leads to repentance and freedom and that leads us to Christ. The gift of prophecy in the New Testament is always wrapped in hope and love, even when there's some correction behind it. Now, I was thinking about time 
as we were studying through this, is there's a time where in the life of Moses, a lot of us are familiar with Moses, right, as he's leading the people through the wilderness into the promised land. It's very important. This is what I'm referring to is in Numbers 11. What happens to Moses is that he gets very overwhelmed by leading all these people. It's taken a lot from him and out of him. And so it gets to the point where he's just exhausted. It's weighing heavy on him. He's doing everything he can, and yet he's just grinding it out so much that he finally decides, I, I gotta tap out. And so he goes to God, and he's about to tell God, about to send in his resignation and say, God, I don't know if I could do this anymore. And God says this. He says, this is what I'm gonna help you with. He says, get 70 men, 70 men that you trust, 70 men that have integrity, 70 men that I can pour out my spirit on to help you shoulder the load of leadership. So Moses does that. He brings these 70 men before God. And the Bible says that as he brings them before God, God pours out his spirit on them. And what's amazing is that the first thing they do is they start to prophesy over the people. Well, Joshua Moses is eight, he, he's just blown away. He's like, wow, the things that they're saying, the authority that they're carrying, what they're, what they're doing, he's like, I don't understand it. He's like, make them stop. This is in Numbers eleven twenty eight. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, he spoke up and he said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. I'll tell you what, I think that in that moment, Moses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was prophesying about a day like today. Do you know that what he was saying, it exists now, that we're living in a day where God is pouring out his spirit upon all people and that they would all be prophets? It wasn't just a select few, but it was everyone. How do I know? Because on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up in Acts chapter two. He says, now this is what was spoken about from the prophets. He says, in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. They will prophesy. So thank God we're living in a day where the Holy Spirit doesn't just come on a few, doesn't just come on one, but he comes on all who believe and trust in him that are filled with his Holy Spirit. He wants to give us the words that we understand the mind of God. Some of you got to pick that up, or is that like a fire? <laughs> I don't smell smoke. Do you? So how does this function today? That's really the big question, right? How does it function? What does it look like here in our church? Well, number one is that prophecy is an expression of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can phantom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but if I do not have love, I am nothing. You know, that word love is the agape word, which means unconditional, means love without limits. In other words, he's saying that if I give a word of prophecy, but if I don't wrap it in love, he's saying it is useless. I, I think in the English language, you don't realize how strong this sounds. You know, Jesus used this same word when he talked about when salt loses its saltiness, what he said is it's good for nothing. It's such a strong word that it actually is translated better as garbage. When God will never give you a prophetic word if you don't have the desire to love the people that you're giving it to. You gotta understand that. Number two, prophecy strengthens, encourages, and comforts the church. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. 
Now, are there going to be times where we need correction? Yeah, absolutely. Any good parent has to correct their child, has to show, but they do it in love. They do it to encourage them, to comfort them, to show them the way. And there's going to be times where, where that prophetic word's going to come at us, man, and it's going to sting a bit. But yet we know it's for our good. When it's wrapped in love, we understand at the end that there's hope on the other side, that we can hold on to that. God's correction is always, always ends with hope. And number three, prophecy is good to hear in the church. He says this in verse six, now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good would it be for you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or words of instructions? And what he goes on to say is that he gives this illustration about a bunch of musicians. And just imagine this. Imagine that if our worship team, didn't they do a good job? Yeah, they're amazing, right? Put a lot of practice, a lot of rehearsal. They pray a lot. I mean, what we see is, is the fruit of that. But just imagine if they came up here and they all tried to play the song differently. What if they just all started with different notes on a different key? It would sound chaotic to us, wouldn't it? And he's saying this. He says it's the same thing in the spiritual. When God's gifts come together, there should be a harmony about it. There should be something that they sync up with with one another so that we can hear the voice of God clearly. And that's what Paul is saying. So how does that happen? How, because I know we've been into settings where it sounds chaotic at times and confusing, and God's not the author of confusion. So well, what happens in those settings? I'm telling you, it's because it's the level of maturity among the believers. How do I know this? How do we control that? How do we understand that they could all be synced up? Because all these gifts take a level of faith on your end, on your part. Which means that God doesn't use these gifts to control us, but he allows us to control these gifts. They're subjected to the prophet, the Bible says. In other words, you are in control of these gifts. Therefore, you have self-control in when and how they are being used. So here's how they ought to be used. A word of prophecy should always be clear and understandable. A word of prophecy should always affirm and confirm what the word of God says. Be careful for those words that seem contradictory to what the spirit or what the word says. God's already given us a way to understand and hear his voice. And so that prophetic word should line up with the word of God. They work together. In the spirit, it's okay for things to be a bit mysterious, but they should never be obscure. And the last way prophecy functions within the church is that prophecy can open people's hearts to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? This is what he says in verse 23. He says, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers and unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Some of us are afraid of that, right? We're bringing our friends and people to church and we're like, oh man, what are they gonna think? He says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, if they are, they are convicted in their sin and they are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, where things that you've never told, things that you've never, never uh, were open with or whatever, but yes, in the moment, God's revealing that. And let me tell you, when God, when God brings a revelation, when God brings a word of prophecy, it's not there to embarrass you, to ridicule you, it's in love. You know, we say the term like, they're reading my mail. How did they know and I think it's amazing when God does that special moment for somebody because it shows them that he knows them, everything about them, that there's nothing hidden from him. And in spite of that, he still loves us. That's a message people need to hear, that they can come as they are to the living God and that he already loves them. It says that while we are yet sinners, Christ loved us and gave his life for us. 
Man, your prophetic word can bring that revelation to reality for that person. We don't know. It could be something as simple and weird as to be like, oh, how did that turn into this? But God knows what that person needs to hear in that moment to get them to recognize that God is real. That's what this gift of prophecy is supposed to look like in our church or in the church. Now, the, gift, the next gifts are, are two. It's tongues and interpretation of tongues. And I want to say that these gifts go together like peanut butter and jelly, right? They, I, publicly, they, they ought to come together. They ought to be together. These two gifts ought to be administrated together publicly. However, what's interesting about the gift of tongues is that this is the only gift that the Holy Spirit uses as public, has a public use and a private use for. Another fun fact about the speaking in tongues and that gift of tongues is that it's the only gift that's listed that is not in the Old Testament. It's something new that came upon the church in the book of Acts. So let me take a moment and just talk about this private use of tongues or this gift of tongues because I think that's where a lot of people get hung up on, also known as your prayer language. Spiritual tongues is when someone speaks a language that they didn't learn before by the inspiration, this is important, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It usually happens during a time of prayer or in worship. Now, do you know that there are 6,500 different known languages right now on earth? That's not including all the languages that, that, that are no longer spoken before. So there's, there's, there's a lot of languages that God can use to give you to speak to him. The Bible also says that there's a heavenly language where angels speak. So it covers all these different languages, yet the Bible says that, that this private prayer language is from God to you, that is given to you on the day that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I talked on this a lot more in our DNA series. But usually people get really hung up on this whole gift of tongues. You know, they, They're just like, man, if I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I mean, they're reluctant to come and pray and seek that because they're like, man, do I gotta get weird like that person? Like I start rambling on or doing this thing. It's just strange to me. They're like, do I have to speak in tongues to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I would say, no, you don't have to, but you get to because that's what God gives any believer that comes to him and receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That you have this capability to communicate with God in this language, this private, personal prayer language before God. But what's interesting is that you also see the other gifts in display. Do you know that prophecy in the Bible is, is almost as often mentioned when people get baptized in the Holy Spirit as much as tongues are, yet we get hung up on that? But there's going to be other gifts that are also going to be on display. And God knows that. But the gift of tongues is to edify you, to build you up. And that's why we ought to desire it. I don't know about you, but I need to get built up as often as I can it's this personal language between me and God, and it allows the Holy Spirit to help me and grow me and strengthen me. The Bible says this about when we pray in tongues, is that when we pray in tongues, we are praying the perfect will of God. Romans 8.26 is in the same way. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For if anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God... Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. I don't know about you, but there's times when I'm praying where I, my prayers got to go beyond my words. They got to go beyond my words, and they got to go into my heart, into my spirit. I mean, what a gift we have through God, through his Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says, I wish that you would all speak in tongues. But when we're talking about that, we're not talking about the other part where he says that when you have a public use of these tongues, 
That's different. He says, when that's manifested publicly, he says that there has to be an interpretation so that people have an understanding of what's said. And when we say public, we mean like you and someone else in a small group or in a big setting. I want to show us something very clear in Scripture. I'm going to read it in the message translation because I just love how direct it is. This is verse 9. He says, so if I speak in a way that no one could understand, what's the point of opening your mouth? There are many languages in the world, and they all mean something to someone, but if I don't understand the language, it's not going to do much good. It's no different with you since you are so eager to participate in what God is doing. Why don't you concentrate on doing what helps everyone in the church? So when you pray in your private prayer language, don't hoard the experience for yourself. Pray for the insight and ability to bring others into that intimacy. If I pray in tongues, my spirit prays with my, and my mind lies follow. And all the intelligence is wasted. So what's the solution? The answer is simple enough. Do both. I should be spiritually free and expressive as I pray, but I should also be thoughtful and mindful as I pray. I should sing in with my spirit and sing with my mind. If you give a blessing using your private prayer language, which no one else understands, how can an outsider who has just shown up and has no idea what's going on know what to say amen to? Your blessing might be beautiful, but you have effectively cut that person out of it. I am grateful for God for the gift of praying in tongues that, gives us, that he gives us for praising him, which leads to wonderful intimacies we enjoy with him. I enter this as much or more than any of you, but listen to this. But when I am in a church assembled for worship, I'd rather say five words that everyone can understand and learn from than say 10,000 that sound like gibberish. Wow. I think that's pretty cut and dry. I think it's important that when we feel this unction to want to share this, then we got to pray and say, God, help me to understand this. How does this play out practically among the church? Now, you might, it might be very rare that we ever have a setting where maybe somebody has this experience where they want to share and they, and they have all the checks and balances there to know that this is from God and they're ready to give this message. And they got to be praying. We got to be praying to God. You got to interpret that so that we can understand and receive that. It's going to be rare. But I'll tell you what's common. And I got the permission from my wife to share this because God has given her this gift. And, and, and maybe some of you guys experience this around her, but like when she prays for somebody, you know, the Bible says that sometimes we don't know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit helps intercede for us through that moment. And so there's times where she's praying for somebody and all of a sudden the Lord gives her this inspiration through the Spirit and through tongues and she starts praying in tongues because she doesn't really know where that person's at. She doesn't really, she's asking God, give me this perfect will prayer for them and she starts speaking in tongues and that person's receiving it but they don't understand what she's saying. And then God starts to reveal to her what he is saying and she starts talking in English and starts telling them and that person recognizes that, okay, what I've been sensing, what I've been feeling is actually being confirmed in what you're saying now. And they receive that. I'm telling you, that happens more often. That's what's just happening around your circles in your small groups in the other places of our church or maybe up front. When somebody does that, we understand that there is that. Or maybe there's somebody else in that group and they start to recognize what they're saying. That's how God uses this. And it's a powerful moment for that person. And we gotta be open to allow God to be God and allow him to work and do it the way he wants to do it. I love what Paul says at the end. And I'm gonna have... Uh, Nate, come and help me out. There you go. But he closes this out and he talks about these gifts, and these gifts are 
amazing and they're powerful and they're spectacular. And when you experience it, it's a whole new level of, of just sensing God. I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. We should all seek after these things. I love how he teaches us that this is given by God. It's a grace gift and he distributes them to who he wants, when he wants, right? And that's awesome. And when you experience it, you're going to walk away going, man, that was so great. Why was I so afraid or why was I so worried about it? Because God will always make it done with peace. He says this, he says, for God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. There'll always be an order about it. There'll always be a confirmation within it. But what I love about this is that he all stems it down. He says, no matter how great they are, no matter how fantastic they sound, it's all based on love. And I thought about that this week and how we're going to end this because what I don't want to do is I don't want to just dangle a carrot in front of you. You know, I just don't want you to just hear this stuff and sound so great, so good to be true. Let me tell you, with God, a lot of things sound too good to be true because they are. It's called grace. But it all comes down to love. And when I think about God's love for us, that, 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 that in all that we were and are and all the failures and all the flaws and all the things that we mess up, he says that in spite of all that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that he loved us that much. He came and he gave himself for us to have a relationship with him. And, and that's great enough. I mean, that's, that's mind-blowing. That's enough, but God always gives us more than enough that he takes this redeemed new person. And now he says, okay, now I'm gonna give you a new purpose in life. No longer are you gonna live in the ways that you did before, but I'm giving you a new path. And in that new path, there's a new mission and there's a new purpose. I'm telling you, and your calling and your purpose for all of us that call ourselves part of the body of Christ is to reach the lost, right? And to help build his church so that they would be a beacon in this world so that when people are hopeless and, and hurting, and we know many of those people right now that are sitting at home, they're not sitting here and they're, they're just feeling like life has dealt them a bad hand and they can't get out of the ruts and the addictions and they can't, they don't know the freedom that we feel and God is using us to go and mobilize and go out into the world and be a beacon of light, a person of hope, showing his love. I love that about God and he says, you know, he's not a God who just says, you know, I don't get my kids and ask them to do a job like clean up the house and I don't give them supplies to do it. That's cruel. And if me, a father, who's got all these flaws and is kind of selfish sometimes, knows how to help my children, equip them for the job to get it done. How much more is our good and heavenly Father that gives us, when he says you need to go and preach and teach and make disciples, I'm sending you. He doesn't just send us on our own. He doesn't just say, hey, figure it out. No, he's a God who's good and holy and loving. And he says, wait for this because when it comes, it's gonna show up with power and it's gonna empower you to do the things that you never thought that you should be naturally supernatural everywhere you go. It's got to be something heavenly in what you do and what you say that people start getting like this sense of like, there's something real here. There's something real here. And that only happens through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So what I'd like to do is if we could just stand to our feet just for a few moments, then we'll wrap up here. We'll go home, eat some food. But I wanted us to just... Nate's going to lead us into the song, and I want us to just focus on him. I don't want to focus on the gifts. I want to focus on the giver. And I want us to open our hearts right now, and I just want to say, Lord, here I am. I need you. I want your presence in my life, and I'm going to pursue that this week. In my private time, I'm going to just seek you, and I'm going to allow you to flow in my life. 
maybe for some of you, you've never experienced this, and I want you to just be open. I want you to just stretch your hand towards heaven and say, God, I want this. I need you. I need more. I want to be empowered by your Holy Spirit. God hears that. For the rest of us, if we're just like, God, I want to be, I want that freshness in my heart. I need your presence. So, mate, go ahead and lead us in that, and I'll come and wrap it up. Let's lift our voices, church. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that will never come close. Nothing can compare. You're a living hope. Your presence, Lord. Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves Where my heart becomes free And my shame is undone In your presence, Lord and fill the atmosphere Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for To be overcome by Your presence, Lord Your presence, Lord Nothing worth more that will never come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. As I'm tasted and seen. Sweetest of loves When my heart becomes free And my shame is undone Boys, I'm doing shame today In your presence, oh You welcome me, Lord Sing it, Holy Spirit You are welcome And fill the atmosphere Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for To be overcome by your presence Lord, sing Holy Spirit, you are welcome here Come flood this place and fill the your glory, God, is what our hearts long for To be overcome by your presence, Lord
that we walk out of here with that joy and excitement to know that there is more, God, so much more than what we could even imagine or think of. God, I pray, God, against the mindset, God, that restricts you. Lord, bring us back to that place of awe and wonder, God, because you are bigger than what we know, God, and there's so much more to discover in you. So, Holy Spirit, bring that heart of seeking after you, God, that desire to know more, to desire more of you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, because your word says that those that hunger and thirst, Lord, for righteousness, they will be filled, Lord. So I pray that we walk out of here with that hunger and thirst for more of you. I thank you for this moment. We praise you. We glorify you. And we pray, God, that we walk out of here being led by your presence and your spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Well, God is good. Come on, let's give him one more praise. Thank you, Nate. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Look forward to starting a new series with you next week as we get ready for Easter. Get ready. God bless.